Welcome to More to Come, PW Comic World's weekly podcast on graphic novel and comics publishing, recorded at the PW offices in New York City. I'm Calvin Reed, Senior News Editor of Publishers Weekly and Co-Editor of PW Comics World. Check us out online at publishersweekly.com slash comics. And I'm Heidi McDonald. I'm the Graphic Novels Review Editor, Publishers Weekly, as well as the Editor-in-Chief of The Beat at comicsbeat.com. You can see us on Twitter at, at PW Comics World. And I'm Kate Simmons. I'm a podcast producer, and you can find us online at pwcomicsworld.tumblr.com. And you can subscribe to More to Come on iTunes and on Facebook. We're at facebook.com slash pwcomicsworlds. And uh, just as a shout-out to our listeners, um, why don't you go to iTunes? And, you know, if you, if you like what you hear there, leave us a review or leave us a comment. Then let us know what you think. Yeah, uh, you know, uh, when I was at Baltimore in the Diamond Retailer Summit a couple weeks ago, I was uh, intensely gratified by all the people who came up to me and mentioned things that I talked about on this podcast. And, uh, you know, it's a little daunting sometimes to know people are actually listening because I just <laughs> say what I think. As if no one were listening. That's what makes it a That's what makes it interesting. <laughs> but, yeah, if you can, if you are a listener... And uh, feel so inclined to leave us a rating on iTunes. That would really help us and uh, enable us to continue doing this podcast. So, um, you know, give All it a right. Yeah, if you, if you have a minute. Thanks. And okay. thank you for listening. Okay. This week on More to Come, IDW switches its book trade distributors. Dino and Sonny and the cartoonist life. Attack on Titan is everywhere. We're also going to take a look forward at SBX. 2016 uh, and the Brooklyn Book Festival uh, and the news briefs. So, um, big news in book trade comics here uh, this week when uh, IDW Publishing announced it's switching its book trade distribution from uh, Diamond Book Distributors to the the 800-pound gorilla in the distribution game, uh, Penguin Random House Publisher Services. Yeah, you know, um, this is just the latest in a trickle of defections from Diamond Book Distribution. And uh, they lost Dark Horse about three years ago. They lost Archie about three years Mm -hmm. before that. So I guess in three years, Image, which is really their last big, uh, you know, top five publisher... Uh, will probably be going to. <laughs> well, <laughs> will probably be. <laughs> well, I don't know if we should be predicting that, but clearly, images the really the, the biggest one they have left. Um, but you know, they've got. I mean, Penguin, Ran- Penguin Random House Publisher Services has been very interested in the graphic novel category. I did talk with uh, Greg Goldstein, the uh, CEO of um, IDW. Uh, he said that they were extremely excited about the category and that they approached um, IDW about making the switch. Yeah, well, uh, there, there you go. Yeah. I mean, they already distribute DC Comics, um, as you said. Yeah, they already yeah. have Archie. They already have Dark Horse. Dark yeah. Horse, Kadansha Comics. Yeah, well, Kadansha was like you know in house. Uh, well, that's out a, as their own manga. That's, that's but, true. You know, Kadansha is huge. And, yes, uh, absolutely. Is huge, as we'll get to absolutely. in a few minutes. Yeah. Uh, and um, also, uh, they, uh, you know, I had a scorecard. DB Dun- <laughs> see, I think Marvel left uh, a few years back to Hachette. Yes. Um, uh, but you know, they uh, obviously DBW, uh, DBD still uh, has uh, what Dynamite. 
Um, some yes, of the a couple they, of the other larger they independents. They still have, uh, they, yes, they have Dynamite, image, they have Image, mentioned. which is huge, mm-hmm. obviously. And, and hot. <laughs> yes, and, and very hot. And, uh, you know, a couple smaller publishers. I yeah. mean, I know Z2 is with them. Yes, and, yeah. uh, you know, Aftershock. Some yeah. of the newer publishers have gotten their yeah. deals through there. They, they distribute 40 to 50, it varies up and down, publishers to the book trade. Yeah. Now, I think we should also point out, uh, DVD will continue to distribute IDW to the UK book trade. And Diamond Comics uh, distributors will continue to distribute their books and comics to yes. the comic shop market. It's important yeah. to note that this is returnable sales to the book market. Yes, yes. Yeah. So um, the yeah. listeners, the stuff going on in comic stores is still very heavily Diamond, almost a monopoly. It's it's the bookstores that we're talking about. Yes, that, this is the book trade. Yes. That end of the business. Yeah, and, and you know, there, we've been talking about this for a couple of weeks here, but there's been so much talk about how the direct market needs to die, how horrible it is, which is, you know, pretty bogus talk, I, I feel. And it's everyone in the industry, <laughs> for some reason, yeah. thinks that the industry shouldn't die. But, um, uh, you know, the lo- there's a legit criticism that Diamond being a monopoly, and, you know, they, mm. they do the best they can, but there's a lot of things they don't do well. You know, guess what? There is a whole nother, distri- you know, there is a whole yeah. nother world of distribution. And, um, you know, with a multiplicity of distributors. And, uh, yeah. uh, you know, but like, they're just co- one of many. And comic shops are, are increasingly using these Abs- to buy on a returnable basis. Absolutely. You can go through Ingram, correct? Can't Absolutely. You, can you can't Ingram? go through Ingram, of course. Yeah. Um, um, Ingram, is, of course, is a wholesaler, right. you know, so you can just go direct to them and order books. But yeah, I think we're in, we certainly enter an age where the savvier comics retailers, in some ways, they've got a better situation than traditional bookstores because they can manipulate both sides of the of the distribution. They can go to um, they can go through Diamond and for their sure sellers and get them at a great discount, non-returnable. Right, sure. But when they want to experiment, they can go to the book trade and order and get books that are returnable. Uh-huh, absolutely. Um, why not? And why shouldn't they experiment? Well, it takes some of the risk off of introducing new material. No, you know, as opposed to, uh, you know, blaming the publishers and Diamond for everything, some retailers don't like ordering for more than one uh, This is true. And just going through the immense Diamond catalog is a full-time job in and of itself, which, so that's kind of understandable. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people don't want to go to other distributors, but you know what? There are other means to get comics. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I've talked with um, um, uh, oh god, the buyers up at uh, the great store at Midtown. <laughs> Midtown Comics. Yes. And, they, and, and what I'm finding more and more at the better comic shops is they have uh, a lot of their buyers actually have book trade experience, and they constantly. Uh, Terrence Irvins, um, sure. who uh, I mean, obviously Kinokuniya is a book trade store, but he sells, you know, he sells periodical comics mm-hmm. in that yes. store, and also talks about how you you can work all, multiple vendors to get the best possible deals. Yes, well, absolutely. It, absolutely, it makes sense because. We talk about comics and books sometimes, like they're different things, but we at Publishers Weekly are doing a comic podcast because they are not completely different things. You know, I mean, we are really, we review things once it hits graphic novel um, and trades, but, you know, because it's all one ecosystem, we talk about them even when they're in floppies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know... It's a complex. Yeah, well, if you look, but, but if you look, you know, I just wrote on the. Uh, there's just so much talk about this now, mm. uh, and which is really great because I think everybody's really kind of analyzing a lot of these different elements. 
Uh, and, you know, John Jackson Miller at Chronicron has some really great charts where he shows what the uh, mm. complete market is. And in periodicals, and then in periodicals plus graphic novels, very clear, graphic novels are the growth area. They're, 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 they're without a doubt. I mean, period. You know, yeah. and at the summit, everyone was seeing this. Dark Horse was talk, telling me about how more of their sales are going to graphic novels. Same thing mm -hmm. with DC, DC and Marvel. Yeah. I mean, Marvel, yeah. Mar both of them. But, you know, uh, obviously you talked to uh, at San Diego, they were t talking about that. Um, Calvin, I know you're talking about image. I mean, they yes, also yes, yeah, a huge yeah, amount. yeah. I'm and, talking about Skybound yeah, specifically with Skybound, and they, yeah, the, they are talking about how, <clears throat> excuse me, important the book trade is. Now, I, and, oh, I mean, there are, there are three really obvious things I think that contribute to the popularity and the importance of the book trade. One is new audience. You much more discoverability in a bookstore where more people go. Let's be honest. Um, second is, you know, no offense to the comic creators, but delays happen. It's part of our universe. We understand. But for readers, it can be confusing. You lose track really easy. And so, I mean, I do it myself. So, you know, after you miss a couple issues, you think, ah, I'll wait for trade. Yeah. The trade is a nice, solid, like you've got the story one right in your hands, chunk of yeah. story. It's a very satisfying, like, you don't need to wait for the it. The satisfying yes. chunk. The satisfying chunk. Well, I think that, and I think, that, I, and I think it's a it's a measure of the evolution of comic storytelling. Whether we're talking about superhero comics or or not superhero yeah. comics, the complexities of the narratives that we're talking about now, the nuance, the sophistication of of comics, they have developed to the point where the book format in some ways is is the, is the perfect place for it, even if it's sort of the logical end for a, se a serial yes. to be collected. And, and, and also, just let me throw this in here. I mean, you know, we are all, uh, you know, not... Well, Calvin and I aren't really periodical buyers. You know, Kate, I guess... I you, do. Yes, you still are. God bless. Well, you I'm, know, I'm but a very picky periodical but you buyer. Period, but, but, I mean, I would not, you know, like pay $4 for a comics periodical, you know? I don't. If it if it costs that much, unless it's something right. incredibly you know, special, I don't. But if you it. could wait, let me just just to say, you know this to me is the bottom line. So you can go to Midtown Comics, you can buy three periodicals for four dollars, okay, which will have like the beginning of the part of a story, or for twelve dollars you can buy uh, a big you know tank bond of Attack on Titan. Actually, I think they're only ten dollars, mm -hmm. you know, or you can buy a complete trade. So I mean, there's just no value comparison. Here. And, and furthermore, there's a lot of writing for trade. Let's be honest. Yes. Uh, the reason mm -hmm. I was so, I mean, I'm relieved that the comics better is better than that first issue. But like, I think the reason that that first issue of Poe Dameron that I hated so much oh, yeah. was so terrible is that the writer was so focused on writing for trade. It didn't, he didn't even think about what the reading experience would be like. For someone reading an individual. Well, issue. I, I think almost all story arcs now are, are designed to yeah. be yeah, to be have, collected. To be, but mm -hmm. what I'm saying is that sometimes the writing for trade is so heavily trade aimed that it's not even a readable reading experience mm -hmm. yeah, and you know, in Kate, individual Kate, issues. Kate, you and I did a whole big uh, podcast when Calvin was away. Remember, we did a whole yes, podcast. Yes, yeah, an excellent that podcast, was, too, by really, the way. really, good. And you know, what was that, a couple years ago, probably? No, no, it was about a year ago, maybe okay, two years. Year it might have been two years year, ago. A year and a half. You yeah, because I, I was at, <laughs> I was at um, the Rockaway. So it, I think oh, yeah, it was yeah, two yeah. years ago. I would say that um, I would say that even in the sense we did that podcast, I mean, things have evolved further and further, you know? I mean, I just think we're seeing, you know, another, there's a big story in PW just this week that's about comics in uh, education. Yes, an excellent yes, feature excellent, by excellent. all means. 
uh, by uh, Shannon Mon, um, the really a, a comprehensive look at comics Very and education. Comprehensive. Yeah, highly, highly recommended. Yeah. I believe you can read it online, but uh, it yes. has resources, including Beat, by the way. Thank you. Yes, in fact, it went out in the uh, comic spotlight today, as yes, a matter of well, fact, there you go. because it's and, out from behind the paywall. Uh, you know, but I, I, I mean, just to. Um, <clears throat> You know, just to... I mean, there's lots of places where people are getting comics now, and you know what? They're not about periodicals. That's true. One comment, though, I'm not a periodical reader, but I will say this. Uh, the arrival of digital comics actually has made me... I'm, I'm a, I am a, a periodical browser. Uh, when I go into comic shops, I do try to look and see what people are, are reading, what people are doing. But I do um uh, periodically so to speak by a periodical yes. uh on the digital side because you know doggone it there's some things i just want to see black panther for instance i sure. want the issue i want to sure. see what's going on uh and i and i drop into other things when my curiosity is peaked mm -hmm. i i don't really follow serials although I, I apparently seem to be following black panther i feel like are we are we good uh please pause Something was plugged into the wrong jack. Well, luckily Calvin was making it back up. That's true. <laughs> no, it, it's still recording. It's it's fine. So did we record all this? It's it's recorded. It's recorded. Uh -huh. It's just that it's going to be better now that it's plugged into the right jack. Yes. Okay, okay. keep talking. So, okay. when, you know, yeah, I think we've all had moments, uh, you know, starting with Rebirth, uh, we were all excited, and Black Panther. Those are two big events that we were excited to read yeah. in periodical format. But, but unless it's something... That's you know epochal like that. I mean yeah. you know it's it is they're 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 we we use this metaphor. I've used it for ten years. They keep putting the electrodes into the body, and pretty soon <laughs> Frankenstein's not going to come back to life. But I'll say this: I think that if there are any people out there who apparently and apparently are wishing for the death of any market for printed publications, I think you're crazy. Yeah, they are. in this era now, books, uh, periodicals, journals, any printed material. We need as many markets as possible. Um, people need to have books in front of them with ease. Uh, I think the direct market serves a perfect purpose, and it's evolving. You can amortize out series in a way that makes it economically feasible. Uh, no, I mean, I, I'm hoping for the direct market to evolve, but not to go away. Yeah, and... You know, I think a lot of, I mean, it's a very small but vocal, so, you know, and it, it, it's, it's, they don't propose any solutions, you know, <coughs> yes, <they> because <laughs> the other thing is, it, just vicious it, criticism. Yeah, but you know, I, I'm like, oh, where are you going to go, Barnes and Noble? I mean, jeepers, creepers, what's going on at Barnes and Noble, Calvin? Well, I mean, it's, um, I'll say this, I, I think, and this is from reporting done by my boss, and really that, that um, publishers are concerned with the management of Barnes & Noble. I mean, to uh, have their the CEO fired, um, essentially, uh, what barely a year after he took office, for the, um, the CEO emeritus, Enrique, to come out of retirement now. Uh, apparently, it turns out, um, I forget the guy's name, Boar, the, the CEO who came from, where did he come from, Sears or something? Yes, he came from Sears. Um he a was logical a, He was choice. apparently <laughs> fired for, you know, cutting costs, but cutting costs in by um, eliminating uh, salespeople and floor people to talk to you about books. Uh, and to he was eliminating stock. He was eliminating inventory. So not only was there nobody on the floor of stores 
to help you with so, selection. There was less of the stuff, even if you someone was there to point you no, to it. No, I often say, um, you know, Sears is doing so well. That's definitely the first place that you would hire someone from. It's to, uh, turn really bizarre. <laughs> um, but it also means that during the biggest uh, selling segment of the year, you know, uh, the biggest book chain is going to be looking for a CEO instead of having a CEO who is pu bringing, putting a team together and trying to sell as many books as possible. So the publishing, <laughs> certainly the big five publishers in New York are not happy uh, with this. They have nowhere to go, of course. But, you know, everyone's concerned. Nobody wants to see this chain disappear. Of course. It would be a disaster. It would be a complete disaster for American book publishing. It would be a cultural disaster. As well as a cultural disaster. Yeah, so, I mean, everybody's sitting back and hoping that uh, Lynn Riggio, Papa BNN, <laughs> uh, can, like, put this thing back together again. Well, there's, you know, there's certainly a lot of good tools. Now, they said sales were down partly because there weren't any blockbusters earlier this yeah, year. Yeah, I mean, and also the tragic fat, and the tragic, but, you know, Coloring adult coloring books coloring are books pulling are, off. I mean, so this is a, are getting tired a dubious of achievement. Or, well, maybe everyone who needs one has. Yeah, one. I don't think they are. <laughs> I don't think they are um, slowing down. I think that that um, actually saved some of their numbers. <laughs> the well, coloring book side it's certainly not helped by the fact that pretty much everybody's getting in on the adult coloring book game. Oh yeah, yeah. And it's being sold at the grocery store and yep. the craft store. And yep, somebody's buying them. The drugstore. So, you know, not everywhere, all that money's going to Barnes & Noble. Everywhere you turn, it's an adult call. Yeah. But, um, but uh, so, yeah, well, that's uh, our take on the uh, <laughs> the book market. Well, but I, I you know, listen. Right now. The, the, the elephant in the room, and I don't even know what we want to say about this, is, uh, you know, if I were, uh, you know, Miss Marple here, uh, the mystery I'd be trying, or Jessica Fletcher, the mystery I'd be trying to solve is, why are clients leaving Diamond Book Distribution? <laughs> yeah, well, what I, do you uh, think, Ms. Marple? <laughs> yeah, well, I'm not going to hazard a guess on that. Um, uh, you know, I guess it's it's just not it's just not spoken of. Well, I will say this: I mean, they're going up against, like I said, the 800-pound gorilla of distribution. Uh, Penguin Random House Publisher Services has more accounts in more places, more reach. Um, uh, the best uh, and most uh, state-of-the-art uh, back-office systems um, than any, you know, distributor out there. So, in large measure, it's kind of, I mean, I don't know, I, I, I used to know, I don't have the figures on hand because I used to know the actual numbers of counts, which is thousands, you know, multiple, you know, yes, many multiple thousands of accounts. Wow. Um in some ways, you can be running a very good distribution um, unit and still look bad in comparison with Penguin Random yeah, House Publisher Services. Yeah, I anything wrong with you. It's just compared There's to a lot of good things Absol about being... Absolutely. I will say this, and, and my memory is not... It's a little hazy, so Calvin, okay, maybe if you remember some of this, but I do remember, and it was a while ago, I seem to remember that Marvel was at Random House and wasn't very happy. Or, or no, there no, was, there was a it. publisher who was... Okay, then strike that. There okay. was a publisher who was at Random House, and there were quite a few problems... And then, uh, because they did not like 
comics that much. And then they're, I think, with Random House, well, they certainly didn't like Minx. You know, it was Random House that killed mm. Minx, for instance. Let's just say DC's been at Random House a long time. And I think there's more and more people. I think they really learned how to sell comics much better. Oh. Because when they first took over uh, yeah. DC, I did hear I think there was quite some, a yeah. few complaints. And it's there a change in culture, too. Yes. I mean, the publishers have to change how they do business because it's not the way you do business Absolutely. in the in the, oh, no, in the comics book. Not at all. And you know, listen. One other thing that every you know, I made the joke at the top of the this segment, but uh, you know, when will Image go? Uh, interesting. Uh, you know, Jeff Boyson, who runs Diamond or it runs Image's uh, book trade uh, sales right now, is from Random House. So mm-hmm. he could be either. Yeah. You know, he certainly intimately knows uh, mm-hmm. the score. So you know, you know, and I should also you also mention uh, you know uh, Jeff Abraham, who is the uh, the CEO of uh, uh, Penguin Random House Publishing Service, is if I'm not mistaken, if he if he still is, but he used to be the treasurer for the Comic Book Legal Defense Fund. Mm-hmm, that's right. So he, he's all in. Right. <laughs> right. And listen, if you look at since we've been doing this podcast, since we've been covering comics, um, you just see more and more people in the book trade. welcoming graphic novels with open arms, whether it be, you know, Consortium with their whole list of indie small publishers. They're doing a great job there with, like, Uncivilized Mm -hmm. and, and, uh, you know, Toon Books and everything. And, um, Mm -hmm. you know, Random House has figured it out now. Uh, Macmillan has figured it out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And let's remember now, um, Simon & Schuster distributes um, Viz. Oh, yeah, right, right. Uh, And uh, Boom. And Boom, yes. Mm -hmm. So, uh, and I... And as we keep saying repeatedly, everywhere we look, in every number, every survey, graphic novels, comics, graphic, com, you know, graphic novels are book trade comics are just the growth area, mm-hmm. yeah, and absolutely. they're getting bigger, and that's you yeah. know, and that's where the action is. Yes, and yet as the sales grow, it doesn't seem to trickle down to the people making the comics. Yeah, you know, <laughs> um, and we, we can we can also throw this to Heidi a little bit. I mean, there was a very interesting post on the beat about uh, Dean Haspel and the speech he gave at the Harveys, and and we also a very interesting development around Sonny Liu, um, the author of the really the only way you can describe it is is as a masterwork, uh, and that's um, uh, what's the art? Oh, the art of Charlie Chan. The art of Charlie Chan. Uh, 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 the financials around right. his creating well, that book. Well, you know, Dean Hasfield, uh, you know, one of the poet laureates of comics, perhaps our Walt Whitman, uh, you know, because he seems to have his barbaric yops. And you know, I think Walt Whitman <laughs> didn't he write about the young boys shirtless running through the? He yard? did, and that would uh, that would be that, that would, would be Dino. Be, yeah, that would be Dino. <laughs> So as he uh, approached at the Harvey's, he gave the keynote. Of course, as he approached the podium, there were cries of, take off your shirt, take off your shirt. And he said, not this time. And a somber note went through the room. And, uh, you know, there's not too many times where you get to use the headline, Dean uh, Haspiel gave a speech at the Harvey's, and what happened next? Yeah. Had people in tears. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but you don't need to listen to me talk about it. There's a video of it up on YouTube, so you can watch the whole uh, heart-rending speech yeah. or read it. But, yeah. I read it. Um... Yeah. You know, and I mean, Dean just really talked about, uh, you know, community and the rising price mm-hmm. of studios. Uh, you know, him, his studio, Hanged Eye, a whole bunch of other studios, yeah. Island Drawbridge, uh, tons of other artists getting kicked out of their studios. Yeah. The well, it, on the Gowanus Canal, of all places, yeah. you, if, when you can't afford to live on the Gowanus Canal, yeah. what's the city well, coming to, to? To be clear, this is all the same building. Yeah. It is all the same yes. building, but it, it's like, but, you know, they can't turn it into... 
apartments just to point out because it is illegal to live on the canal since it's so toxic. So. Yeah, well, that's changing because they're yeah. first of all they've cleaned up the the, the canal yeah. and there are there is it is an enormous development going on around it. Yeah. Well, so yeah, you believe know, me, there's, there's no place left in New York City where you can't build a luxury condo. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, even, if, uh, <laughs> even if it is, even if it's quote cleaned, even if it's a super fun site. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But anyway, I mean, Dean was just really talking about how hard it is for. Yeah, you know, people who make the meager living of a, of a yeah. cartoonist who continue to live in New York City, uh, and then just to show how meager it was, uh, Sunny Lou ran some mm-hmm. numbers. Yeah, yeah, um, it was very. Interesting. You know, I just want to just remark a couple of things about Dino's speech, which I you know, look. I didn't, I didn't watch it, but I read it, and it's as effective. I mean, it's it's a you know, it's a love letter to. The comics community. I would say this just uh, um, while embracing his the sentiment um, of it. There's a certain romanticization, romanticization. Excuse my mangling of the word. Uh, I think of the past in New York. I mean, certainly in my time in New York since the '80s, this is this is a city at one time that it, it wasn't necessarily embracing artists. People were leaving New York City. The city was in crisis. And there were, and even if you go back to the 60s, there were cheap spaces to live in because of the nature of real estate at the time. We're living in a different world now where urban living is popular, uh, where there is no safe spot from real estate. And to save, to make this city affordable, there's going to have to be some kind of social pact. Well, that, you know, that ship has sailed, you know, but... Uh, because I, there isn't one now. There is none. There is none now. You know, I was at an art opening over the weekend, and, mm-hmm. and uh, the gallery owner is a friend of mine, and uh, we started talking, and uh, I've known him for a long time, and I, I said something like, you know, where will we go? Where's the scene? He says, who cares about a scene? We don't want to go out and drink anymore. And, you know, I think he was... Well, he's he was, himself. <laughs> I, I, I know, but I mean, I think he was, like, just saying that, you know, the kind of scene that he had started out with, where it really was a lot yeah, of yeah. young folk hanging out and drinking and carrying on, yeah. you know, just as the uh, abstract expressionists did back yeah, yeah, at the yeah. Cedar Tavern with Jackson Pollock of course. and Lee Krasner, but uh, well, well, Kate looks so bored by this. <laughs> well, like an I, alien... Yeah, but you know what? He also, Dino's speech also pointed to an ongoing and, and growing scene that maintains itself, and it's the scene around cons. I mean, that's a part of what his speech was, was about this incredible community, this floating feast yes, the floating of community con. that shows up from one con. To, that's not going anywhere. In fact, those those kinds of experiences seem to be increasing. Yeah, there are so many more cons. Yes, uh, yeah. But, you know, I, I'm, I, you know, there, there's a whole podcast we've done about the economics of cons. Yeah. Uh, you know, we've been talking a little bit about the art theft issue yeah. and, you know, tablecloths and too many cons and all that sort of stuff. But, yeah, listen. The reason why I compared Dean to Walt Whitman and, and you know, not Nellie Bly is because it was a romanticized, was completely. poetic <laughs> yes. appeal to our yes. nostalgic love of comrades, yes. Yes. camaraderie. Absolutely. I mean, it wasn't and, like a, And God bless him. But, but, I mean, that's yeah. part of what makes this business but wonderful. I, but, I mean, I think but he, the camaraderie is not really leaving comic no. as much as leaving expensive neighborhoods. Yes, I, but, more expensive but, but, cities. <laughs> but I will say, you know, I don't know. I can't remember if we talked about Image moving to Portland. You know, uh, but, I think uh, we mentioned yeah, it. Yeah, we mentioned it. But I mean, the facts came out on a podcast, and uh, Image will be moving there early next year. They there's a big building that's a little bit to the 
northwest of downtownish sort of. Mm-hmm. You know, they have about twenty people. Um, you know, real estate is cheaper in Portland for now. I mean, I think even a year ago when they started, or you know, probably this year when they started talking about it, Portland real estate was obviously cheaper than the Bay Area. But you know, that's mm-hmm. soaring too if you yeah. talk to anyone in Portland. And you know, I mean, I think it's it's more the idea of. Uh, you know, nobody wants to live in Detroit or Philadelphia. <laughs> well, you know, that maybe that, that depends. I mean, isn't isn't um yeah, what's it? Um, one of the Hyundai. Um, what's her name? Cassandra. No, isn't she yeah. moving to yes. <laughs> to Philly well, or no, thinking about well, it? A lot of people are moving to Philly, but you know, nobody is. Uh, <clears throat> you know, they don't come back and try to get yeah. you to come there. Really. Well, I mean. <laughs> This is the thing. We it's don't want tempting. to leave. We don't no, want to leave New York. New York is an amazing um, uh, community of artists. Um, it's never been easy. Yeah. It's not going to be easy in the future. Uh, artists are going to have to be creative about coming up with living, yeah. con- living and working conditions. But, you know, uh, but, you know, where Dean gave a hazy romanticism, uh, you know, I did want to bring this back to Sonny Lou. Cause Calvin, yeah, you know, we should talk York, about yeah, that. We should, because he gave us hard numbers. He really did. And, uh, you know, I don't have it in front of me, but I did find it very interesting where he listed um, his uh, the well, royalties from his Singapore publishing companies and the advance. I have them in front of me. Okay. So uh, um, um, he had his uh, he was the book was published. Chai, I've said Chai Chan, Hak Chai. It's a masterpiece. It, it's, it's an absolutely told a masterwork. Uh, the work of an invented cartoonist mm. that is uh, that he draws all the different styles. He imagines. He makes photographs. It's it's a like boilerplate. It, meets, it's brilliant meets and entertaining. You don't weaken. And it's yeah. and it's an amazing work and of it history. Won a major literary yeah. award in Singapore, so. the first graphic novel ever to do so. Um, so so anyway, he just broke down the numbers uh, and um, like his his local advance was. Um, Singapore dollars nine thousand, mm. uh, and then he got royalties. And he got royalties, which were about five thousand. Yeah. yeah, and then he got a, a Pantheon advance. Yeah, so that was uh, the U.S. US book dollars, trade. Twenty five thousand dollars, which which I'm not at the my first thought was, is that all now? Look, See, my getting, the opposite. Getting <laughs> for graphic novels. Well, graphic novels have gotten much bigger ones uh, in our time, and they've gotten b- much bigger ones uh, even today. Uh, I. I mean, I don't think he could have gotten a lot more, but I, I think that there, he has room to grow his advance. Yeah, he says that between prizes he won, and then he was published in France, was published in Italy. Uh, the total that he made was about sixty thousand dollars, say Singapore. Yeah. Which, and I'm doing a really envelope back of the envelope uh, guesstimate here. Uh, boy, maybe that's uh, forty-two thousand dollars U.S. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know... What do you, th- you think about the Marvel numbers that he mentioned? He mentioned, oh, if, you know, if you're doing a top-tier series for Marvel, you could make well, $10,000 a it's month. It's funny because Sonny doesn't work for Marvel. He hmm. works for DC, so I find that... A little he, well, he said Marvel DC. He, well, he works for DC, so... Yeah. He, he's, but he's, he's done um, Marvel covers, hasn't he? Yeah. But so, uh, I was impressed with connected. that rate. He's doing on a page rate. You're going to make $10,000 a month. Well, and he he said that you know if you're on a top series, mm-hmm, right. I mean well, I I couldn't he's, he's not going to make that much. Uh, I mean there's some book trade people. Well, if you do a monthly book and you're making yeah yeah I mean I'm yeah. the numbers here you can make like you know six seven thousand dollars easy with the like, yeah. page rates. Right. But, uh, you, well, you know, 
I do well, because that's the top end. I yeah, know. Right. I, luckily, I guess Sonny's considered a top talent here. Well, he certainly is a, a, a tremendous artist. Yes. Um, I mean, I, I, I don't know for the mar for his excuse me for his Pantheon Advance. He only for Epigram. He mentioned both Advance and royalties, and he only mentioned uh, the Advance. For Pantheon, so I'm assuming he hasn't earned out, so right. there are no royalties. Yeah, you know, the, I, I want to point out that the whole reason he actually posted this was to poke the uh, the National Arts Council, Singapore, because uh, they give out grants uh, for creators, and uh, like basically for a comic, a graphic novel, they give more along the they give a literary grant, which is really not very much yeah. you know he, he what he was trying to say is that it should be more because it, you know when you make a comic you're also uh, drawing the art yeah. it's a lot more well, labor intensive so yeah, I mean yeah, that was I the mean, whole point of his post and it, it did get shared a billion mm -hmm. times on Facebook but it, it's interesting to see how how a, a you know uh, someone living in a foreign uh, comics market how he leverages right. his revenue streams right. as opposed to what you'd have in the American market which seems a little more limited, frankly. And in the comments, a lot more limited. In the comments, a lively discussion ensued that suggested that he should get a better agent. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 well, you know what? I mean, he's got a long career in comics. I can't imagine anyone seeing. I think he should have got a bigger advance. Easy for me to say, but I, it seems to me that there's still some a, a bigger ceiling on the kind of advance. A guy, a guy of his talent, and for this book, which is. As we've talked about before, this is not your ordinary book. Yeah, well, I would love to see the advance. Yeah, but guess what? I mean, I don't know, Kate, is is uh, History of Singapore the first book you're going to run out and get, even if it's a masterpiece? Well, actually, I was more interested than usual, but I'm a weird case, because I'm a history geek who likes history of countries I don't know much about. So this hits me in my sweet spot. Mm. But I am fully aware that I am not most right. of the book trade market. I mean, I can't think of a single one of my friends who would want to read it. Right. Except right. for one guy who has a history PhD in Asian right. history. Mm. That's right. You know, I mean, I think both of these stories really just go to, that's uh, just what I said at the top. It's like, you know, there's still, there's still only one or the, the number of dollars that are circulating. I mean, as much as we were saying how awesome this is, the number yeah. of dollars that are circulating in this industry is still pretty finite. It's and, pretty, and yeah. everybody can only a few pennies from it, this dollar. I mean, it's yep. not it's not a closed market. It can grow, and that's but that's part of why the book trade is so valuable right, exactly. to allow exactly. this pool of people that's where the growth is. to grow. Mm -hmm. And you know, yeah. I and I I just want to say, I mean, I I was still working on a piece of the beat before it came out, but. You know, this is an amazing week for for our kind. Uh, you know, I feel like it's like God, Goodfellas. And this time we really did get made. And, you know, it wasn't just Tommy getting whacked in the warehouse. Because, uh, you know, Ghosts came out this week. Oh, yeah. Raina 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 Ghosts came out. And mega seller. Mega seller. And it's a real event. I mean, she was profiled or, you know, got reviewed mm -hmm. in the New Yorker, the New York Times. Uh, she had a huge kickoff yeah. event last night. And, uh, and the book is really, I, you know, I read it and I interviewed her in Chicago. Um, yeah. It's really a uh, an impressive effort. I mean, essentially to write a book, an entertaining book right. about death 
for yeah. kids. Yes, exactly. I mean, so yes. she's really kind of walking but, the, the razor's it, edge a little. But it really became an event this time, mm-hmm. you know, and a larger event than just us talking about, you know, how much we love Raina. It yeah. really became a literary event. Another literary event this week was uh, Jerusalem came out. Alan Morris yes. Yes, long Alan awaited. Now, I don't think he's mammoth. going out and touring and, and doing events in front of, like, thousands of school children. Uh, but he also was inter- he's been interviewed everywhere yeah. this week. Uh, certainly, the book is is amazing. It's and yeah. he's celebrating in the traditional manner for Alan Moore. What's that? He's he's saying that he's leaving comics. <laughs> oh, oh, no. Is that how he celebrates? Oh, no. He retires. Yeah, <laughs> he does. Well, Heidi actually, and uh, just to point people to publishersweekly.com, is uh, you did an author profile of him for the book, yes. and it's a fabulous interview with him. Yeah, so. and I, you know, also if you're interested about the book, I think mine is the best that where he actually talks about. The Absolutely, book and he, a lot of them are like, you know, uh, goading him with the old questions, like, "What? Well, what do you think of superheroes, Alan?" And you know, it's like, "I don't yes. like them." <laughs> yes, like, oh, that. what did you expect the bear was going to do? But, uh, <laughs> if you poke him enough, yeah, yeah. But, uh, <laughs> but you know, these are huge events. These are huge literary events. Oh um, yes, you know, and also Kate Beaton has her book out this week. Oh, yes, Baby, yes, and yes. kid's book. You know, Vera Brosgo yeah. also has a kid's book yes. out this week, illustrated. So, you know, there's, there's our kind is taken over. I mean, yeah. there, our influence is spreading like Cthulhu. It's like the tentacles yeah. are everywhere. And, um, you know, this didn't happen overnight. Yeah. This is a long process. And, and on the one hand, are we talking about these cartoonists uh, who, yeah, I mean, uh, who are kind of worried about the future. I mean, we have a boom going on at the yeah, same time. I know. Uh, Just that tiny dollar. And, and a boom that's that's actually very often being driven by new readers to in the medium. So, and by kids. Mm-hmm. What more yeah. could you ask for? So, well, I mean, I think, I think it's not just a matter of talent, although talent is very important. None of these people who are doing extremely well are hacks. They're all yes. really great creators. But it also... It also has to be something that hits the the audience's sweet spot. You can create a work of genius, and if it's a work of genius that will only be of interest to a limited number of people, I mean, that's just hard for even the best salesman to sell. Yeah. Well, this is a perfect segue, I think, and, I, and I'm curious to hear Kate talk about this a little. Uh, the item that she put in front of us about Attack on Titan. And, and what I think is very interesting, because this has come up before, what actually defines the mainstream of comics Right now. Well, I mean, I think think Attack on Titan is in the mainstream of American pop culture. It's in the mainstream of global pop culture. Absolutely. Because Attack on Titans now has over 60 million copies in print worldwide. I I would call that mainstream. Yeah, I would say. I would say. It's interesting how they talk about the... The uh, perceived mainstream and the real mainstream. Well, but I think they're we're talking about two completely different things. We're talking about the mainstream of the country's pop culture as a whole, and we're talking about the mainstream of the comics culture-ecosystem. Yes. And so you can have something that is created overseas, where none of the creators are here, they're not in conversation with the whole... I mean, there's a whole... Comics culture is not just the comic you see on the shelf. Oh, yeah. It's mm-hmm. also, especially with the online world we have now, is the discussions around stories, the discussions with creators, people knowing each other, bouncing off each other. I mean, you guys know half the comics world in the United States. 
But when something's an import, by its very nature of being an import, the creator is overseas living in a totally different culture. So while their product may sell really well in your country, that creator themselves may not be a a part of your culture. So I would say that Attack on Titans is mainstream. Of course. Well, of course it is. But it's it's still separate from the conversation that's going on well, in the mainstream it, of American comics. It, it's it is it is it is separate but it, but increasingly less so. And I think the arrival of the Attack on Titan anthology uh, being published by Kadansha Comics. Well, I mean, that's in the why fall. it exists. Is, that's yes. why it's it, there. It, exactly. It's, that's why it's being brought here. I mean, it's unprecedented it's really what they're doing. It's absolutely because I think what we're seeing is the globalization of North American comics culture. More and more, even people like Sonny Lou. I mean, you know, he's he's. I, I always consider him an American mm-hmm. cartoonist, yeah. but yeah, he, he really is based on Singapore. He just did Doctor Fate. Yeah, uh, yeah. Of the New Fifty Two. And now we see manga culture, which was sort of, which you know, was sort of marginal, sort of this. You know, um, this comics culture that maybe we didn't understand. More and more, uh, American otaku is not uh, uh, an oxymoron. Well, it was never an oxymoron. It was just it was just a Venn diagram. But, you know, the thing is, because of Tumblr, because of the Internet, because of social media, it's like everyone can be exposed. To, you know, you can, I said this, you can go on to the Internet and, you know, if you go on all these media, especially Tumblr, if you're a comics artist, in half an hour you can see more images than people saw in their whole lives, mm-hmm, yeah. you know, like a hundred years ago. And probably people would see in you know, years, like like ten years ago. You know, so everybody's the 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 roof has been raised of uh of of fodder for the imagination. Yeah. You know? And I mean that's why we do have a global it, culture. It's not so much that I think that American comics culture is spreading, is that global comics cultures are melding around the edges. I did, Actually, I it's not even at the edge anymore. It's changed. I mean, yeah. manga has already changed American you know, comics listen, dramatically. Of course, it has all along. <laughs> absolutely. But you that know, was the work talking I mean, to each other, and now the people are talking about absolutely. it. Absolutely. Absolutely. I want to point something out. And, you know, there is a narrative of the history of comics that is written from a certain viewpoint, and, <laughs> you know, about, and I'm sure I've mentioned this on this podcast before, but about how, you know, in Japan, comics are huge. Well, true, they are. Uh, Attack and Titan has sold 60 million copies. You know, in Europe, comics are huge. And, you know, in America, comics are sh- crappy, <laughs> almost said a bad word, are so crappy and terrible, it's awful and dreadful. You know, when you go and you talk to actual cartoonists from Europe and occasionally from Japan, you sometimes find out they're incredibly influenced by American yeah, comics. Yeah. And it really was, you know, especially in Europe, I mean, there is a very, very close yeah, connection between... What the American car- the comics industry and the European comics industry that no self respecting bon Disney, uh, you know, devotee would, would admit to, but you know, it's got a two way yeah. street, and, people. Come yeah. on, like I said, the work has yeah. been in conversation all along, and the, 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 the coming Attack on Titan anthology. Is going to, I think, continue the mangafication yes. of the North American manga. This is Gadancha Comics has gone out and gotten a and a, an all-star line of American comics creators, Paul Pope, Asif Hanukkah, um, uh, who am I leaving out? I mean, the, the list goes on. Afua Richardson, uh, Ronald Wimberly, I mean, you name it. And they're doing original Attack on Titan stories, a 256-page, full-color, hardcover release, uh, full of all kinds of special content Do you know as well. the cover price of this? 
I can't remember. <laughs> Is it like in the 20s, probably, or 40s? Uh, yeah, you know what? I can't remember. Maybe I can look it up. Yeah, maybe we can look it up before. Say, like, you know, I we're talking about the satisfying chunk. And um, I would say at that price, it's got to be the price has got to be between twenty and thirty dollars. Yeah, you know what? Which is a really reasonable amount sure. for something that you get that sure. you're really going to enjoy. This is Scott um, Snyder, Gail yeah, Simone. It's not everybody. Um, yeah. I mean, it, it, the list goes on. I, I, I think I said Paul Pope. <laughs> I mean, uh, I've read a, a big chunk of it. Um, it's you know the shorter stories. And, but they really kind of br- draw you into the attack. I mean, I haven't read the the whole expanse of Attack on Titan, but I've read the first couple of volumes. I got sucked into it too. Uh, Evan Dorkin is in it, you know, basically making fun of the whole enterprise. I mean, it's there's something in this. Some really good. Uh, there, there's something in this for everyone, and I think it's going to be. Um, I mean, you don't have to be a comics pundit to figure this out. It's going to be a massive best bestseller, and I think. Uh, it's going to focus this conversation that we're having even more. Yeah, I think that this is coming out now because they want to hit the Christmas market square oh, on. You know, oh, there absolutely. Is a, because everybody's uh, grandma there is, who knows that Junior likes Attack on Titans will buy this one. You know, and, according to this, there's a uh, hardcover. It is the uh, list price is twenty nine ninety nine. Yeah. So you can get it yeah. on Amazon for less than that. But yeah. go to your local comic shop and yeah. buy it. There you go. There you go. Um, okay, on that note... Uh, let's see. We are also right, uh, oh, yes, coming up this weekend, SBX. Um, I'm going to be there. Small Press Expo in Bethesda. Yeah. You Heidi's going to uh, be there. Fanographics 40th anniversary is being uh, celebrated. They have a huge European contingent. They have a special focus on artists from Spain. Yes. Um, yes. uh, you know, Sal Pedrosa is going to be there. Uh, Representative uh, John Lewis, uh, Andrew Wyden, and Nate Powell, the March trilogy team, they're going to be there. I'm going to be interviewing uh, Sal Pedrosa. Yeah, nice. Um, I will be interviewing uh, Trina Robbins. Yeah, so um, be there or be square. Yeah, I'll be I will have Calvin and I will have so much more yeah. to say when we get back. We love Small Press Expo. It is the camp it, comics of the year. It is it. It's impossible to come back and not be inspired. Now, I'm going to only be down here on Saturday. It's a two-day show. I'm only going to be there Saturday because I'm going to run back to New York because I have the uh, great honor um, to be interviewing uh, the great novelist, uh, Margaret Atwood, at the Brooklyn Book Festival on Sunday uh, about her new graphic novel. Uh, Angel Catbird. So uh, I'm really looking forward to that. But they also, the Brooklyn Book Festival yes, also absolutely. does graphic novels right. They and have a great list of panels and appearances. I'll just run down some of the panels. Um, let's see. Or at the Margaret Atwood, I mentioned uh, sec- the Sexist Power panel with Phoebe Gleckner. I think, uh, who else is on there? Oh, Mari Naomi is going to be on it. The Art of War with the guy I interviewed on it. I think uh, Maximilian Urate uh, is going to be on it. Uh, can you draw the meaning of life? Uh, wow, who's going to be on it? Cyril Pedrosa is going to be on that. So I, he'll be back here in uh, in New York. Short but sweet, Ben Catcher is going to be on the panel. Emily Flake, uh, Glenn Baxter, Revolutionary Art. Kyle Baker is going to be there. I mean, it goes on and on yeah, and on. Yeah, you can just go uh, on the website yeah. and uh, check it out. It goes on and, and on and uh, on. And they've had a whole bunch of events already this week that I haven't been able to get to. But uh, I am going tomorrow. It will have already taken place when you hear this. But uh, for a second, having a 10th anniversary party as part of uh, the Brooklyn Book Festival. Yes, there you so, go. Uh, many festivities. So, yep, comics are everywhere. You know, comics are terrible and will break your heart. And yet they're awesome. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. Funny how that works yes, out. Yes, <laughs> All right. Well, and on that note, we will segue yet again to the news briefs. The briefs. Kochi Kame 
by Osamu Akimoto, a comic about a police station in the park. It has run for 40 years and is the longest continuously running manga series ever. <laughs> and it is, after 40 years, is it is coming to a close. Um, apparently, it I just is, ran out of steam, I guess. <laughs> you know, 40 years is a pretty good amazing time for a comic to retire, maybe. Uh, <laughs> well, now, come on now. Well, uh, created continuously by the same creator. Yeah, no, I, I think it's amazing. People, I, I didn't know about it, but I'm kind of amazed. And it's apparently also can still one of the best selling. Yes, a manga series uh, in Japan. I mean, it really is kind not, of amazing. You know, when you enthusiasm. have when you have that kind of enthusiasm, that is really, yeah. really inspiring. And uh, speaking of something which inspired some enthusiasm and controversy online, Black Lightning, the <laughs> DC comic superhero who is yes black, is currently. In a uh, TV tr- pilot treatment being shot to TV networks by Greg Berlanti and DC Comics. However, this has unleashed a bit of a of, of an online controversy storm. Well, there's more, you know. I, I, I'm not even going to go into too much, but let's just say Black Lightning was well created by Tony Isabella, the writer, and um, Trevor Van Eden, the artist. Who was only, uh, I think, nineteen at the time. Oh, really? Yeah. So, uh, and since then, you know, just go read Tony's tips. Tony writes about Black Lightning all the time, constantly about uh, his ongoing battles with DC about Black Lightning, who is the first black superhero to get his own title, and certainly not the first black comic book character who had his own title. Maybe mm. the first black superhero. Uh, it just, and you know, and then when this came up. Uh, uh, Jerry Conway said, oh, you know what? Like, I think Robert Kaniger had something to do with that. And, uh, and You know, it's almost too stupid to talk about. But there was no <laughs> character like... And Trevor Van Eden just did a long interview where he talked about it and all these years later. It's like there's no character that you might not even have heard of that inspires more passion about who created it than Black Lightning. There were, uh, like, creative uh, differences between Isabella and DC for a long time. Mm. If you remember the Justice League, Justice Friends, or whatever it was called, that mm. horrible cartoon. Yo, right, Friends. man, Super Friends. Friends. Yeah, no, I, I've tried to, to put it, but you remember... You're legendary. Remember Black Vulcan? No. <laughs> I was, I was not, not in as, existence when this there you know, And I wasn't into... But I have heard yeah. well, that for, it was incredibly it terrible. It was incredibly and terrible. And there was a character named caps. Black Vulcan who was Black Lightning, but because they didn't want to use Black Lightning, because of all this other controversy, they created Black Vulcan, who was, if possible... Even worse. So it's yeah. Go read the Wikipedia. Page. Yeah. Okay. We we're running out of time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I would say this is the most heated ownership squabble to not involve Stanley. But you know what? I, I just to put it. Yeah. Uh, there were certain people at DC who didn't treat Isabella very fairly about this for a long time. Who are no longer there. And I am happy to report that in general relations are very good between. Uh, you know, like like uh, feelings were assuaged. Uh, Contracts were signed. Whatever happened, happened. And now they're going to make a TV show, possibly. Yeah. So you know what? It, the story has a uh, semi-happy ending. Happy ending. Yeah. So, but but it's just it, it's crazy. If you read what what went on for like thirty years, it's just just kind of bizarre. So. Yeah. All right. All right. 
All right. Well, so, I guess right. that wraps up this week's news. <laughs> yeah. that, that but I wraps guess, us up for now. But okay. there will be more to come.